With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. He is Connor Orr of the Weekside Podcast, which, by the way, you should be subscribing to on its new feed. Uh, Connor, it was a week six Sunday that was, I'm going to say it was short on drama, but long on intrigue. Yeah, uh, I, I found myself like even sticking to the bitter end of Jets Dolphins uh, because even that game was just uh, it was like marinated in in controversy and plot lines and and that was by far the worst game of the week. So yeah, there was I would say that's a fair assessment of of, of this week. It was a, a lot of things to contemplate late in some of these blowouts about uh, the futures of, of some of these things. But uh, let's start. Let's start with the Bucks Packers, two teams that, frankly, are, are are probably going to be very good this year and are probably going to be playing in January. But uh, this was a disaster for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this was the worst Rodgers has looked in quite a while, and a lot of it was pressure. Todd Bowles certainly uh, was was one of the stars of this game here. Uh, the thing with Rodgers this year is he's been playing on schedule, which is not something he did in the past. It's something he did occasionally last year, but not that often. Uh, he's very much doing so this year, and it's working. And the Bucks basically made him play off schedule, uh, whether it was pressure or whether it was uh, just uh, just good coverage designs. And uh, Rodgers didn't have answers in this one. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where you hate to say it because it sounds so... 
I don't know. It's such a platitude, but it's almost the same thing that we had said about Tom Brady for years, right? And that's that the only thing that really works against him is pressure. Um, but it, it's so hard to to define that and to create it. But enter Todd Bowles, who you know I think I've been saying, and I think a lot of people have been saying. I mean. This guy should still be a head coach in the NFL. He's maybe the best defensive coordinator, if not one of the two or three best defensive coordinators in the NFL, and he can generate pressure. He's got great pieces, and Dominic and Sue comes alive for uh, every once every couple weeks now, and <laughs> and we saw that happen, especially when it's Aaron Rodgers uh, involved on the other side. So you know, if you can create pressure, you can disrupt this, and it's not you know, yes, it's an Aaron Rodgers thing. It's also a Shanahan system thing. I mean, you know, pressure is the one sort of disrupting element of all this yeah it was uh this one turned around quickly it was 10 nothing at one point and Aaron Rodgers was doing his uh uh his mild pelvic thrust in the in the end zone to celebrate that touchdown <laughs> and then it just it unraveled so quickly and Brady didn't uh, Brady wasn't on the field for uh you know basically the Bucks defense set him up for two defensive touchdowns here uh when Brady was on the field you saw some you saw some Rob Gronkowski if you're into that kind of thing it was a it was a nice day for you yeah, it was weird. And, you know, he's still like he does not look like Rob Gronkowski to me. I would venture to guess that he's still playing maybe 10 pounds below his his peak playing weight. And when that happens, I think you you do see the genius in what Belichick did with him and the way that he used him. It's it's different. It's very different. But that said, you know, he still can make athletic catches. He can still beat coverage. And so, yeah, I mean, now he starts getting involved and another wrinkle to this Tampa Bay offense, which we thought was going to be unstoppable. But now they're just, you know, they're moderately hard to defend, which I think is is as good as you, you would hope for at this time of year. Yeah, yeah. Gronk did have some sort of, uh, I'll say, high degree of difficulty catches. They were, uh, there were some nice plays here. He, he does though. He, he lost the weight and it's kind of like, ooh, a lighter Gronk. Like he's gonna be, uh, you know, he's gonna be faster. He's gonna look like uh, it's 2014 or something. And no, no, <laughs> no. You just, you just basically lose the best part of him, which was the yeah. dominant blocker. Like <laughs> you know. Did. He's he's just a skinnier version of the uh, of the guy who kind of limped through the 2018 season. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we did have some Rogers and Damakung Sue drama here. I I don't know. I, I have no idea. They just don't like each other, and I don't know what they said to each other. I don't have any real insight to add to that. Uh, Sue hit Rogers with a with a late hit, uh, roughing the passer penalty. It was not really a violent hit. Uh, it was kind of a I I don't know what to think of that sack at the end of the first half. I mean. I, that's not really a violent hit, I guess, but Sue just sort of, Sue just sort of shoved him down, uh, like a like a, a a very large man, like shoving a child to the ground or something. That that's a horrible image, but it's kind of what it uh, what it <laughs> felt like. Yeah, and what's weird about Sue is like I think that he can turn that on, um, you know he can turn that on so quickly. And I do think that like, he reminds me of a lot of these pass rushers that age really well, but you know, are good situationally. And you know, this is, this is what they keep him around for. He's an agitator. He knows how to get in people's heads. He knows how to bother people. And clearly, you know, that was one of those things where he was in Roger's head yesterday. Rogers had said that this goes back a long time that, you know, they, uh, they don't like each other. And, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things. I mean, it's, it's an ingredient, ingredient in, in all this. I mean, if you're Tampa Bay, does having Indomitian Sue on your roster for that one game almost justify his existence a little <laughs> bit? I mean, you know, you beat a 4-0 Packers team and really kind of got your season back on, on even footing. 
Yeah, yeah. This was a uh, this was a nice win for the Bucks here, who are sort of reestablished after that uh, just really weird Thursday night loss in Chicago, where they were shorthanded and uh, no penalties this game. Uh, that that's been a that's been a big deal. And obviously, if this team does not get penalized for uh, I don't know four hundred yards every week like they had been coming up to this point, they are going to be quite good in the NFC. Yeah, so let's. Let's uh let's go out to Steelers Browns here. This was one that I don't know, I mean I think everyone was really looking forward to this one. See you know it, it really gauge not only where the Browns were but where Ben Roethlisberger is because uh, it is a different Steelers offense this year and you know it, it hasn't been a high uh, high degree of difficulty with the schedule so far and it was kind of worth seeing what Roethlisberger was going to be especially against a Browns defense that uh, I mean Miles Garrett had, had been dominant to this point but this was just an absolute blowout uh and it kind of started with the Steelers defense did to that Browns offensive line yeah I mean for me it was all emblematic of that fourth and one that the Browns went for in the third quarter when they're down like two and a half scores I think it was like they were down like 17 points I think at that point and if you look at what Pittsburgh did you know they walked TJ Watt up to the line so they have five guys on seven blockers for Cleveland because Browns had a tackle eligible and then a tight end on the other side and it wasn't even close I mean the five Steeler defenders just destroyed that Browns offensive line Um, you know I think Kareem Hunt got tackled three or four yards in the backfield it was so fast that neither of the two linebackers on that play actually had time to get into the play like the defensive line blew it up that quickly and if you're looking for one thing that sums it up I mean here's your best run offense in the league versus your best pass or your best run defense and so that's what happens and uh, I think Pittsburgh showed just how much stronger they are maybe than uh, some of the other teams in the league with with something like that yeah I, I do want to highlight Bud Dupree in this game who was uh who was dominant he had two sacks he had two more uh, uh tackles for loss in this one he had one play look Every time you hear an NFL coach talk about like, oh, we want to be the more physical team and stuff like that, you just kind of roll your eyes. And that's something that Mike Tomlin says a lot. Uh, sometimes there's something to that, though. And, and I mean, Bud Dupree had a play, and, and I still can't really wrap my head around it. Uh, it was like a second and 20. It was a second and long for the Browns. It was a little, you know, a little slip screen type thing to Austin Hooper, and Hooper's running downfield. And Bud Dupree came up from behind and like, Depleted him. Usually, you know, if it's like a head-on-head, you know, head-on collision, you know, a guy gets knocked over type of thing. But uh, it just must be so sucky to like be Austin Hooper at that point where you're you're running downfield and someone comes from behind you and and again it's just it, you know it's, it's like one of those videos of like uh, uh the when the dog knocks over the toddler or something <laughs> like that uh and just get to get I I have I, I apologize I have so many children getting I know injured. this is the second and, uh, time yeah <laughs> I've got I got to figure out who else can can hurt kids throughout <laughs> the rest of the show uh but yeah it, it just must suck to be like heading downfield and not a blindside hit just I I don't know just a very large strong man just just violently puts you on the ground and this is uh the Pittsburgh defense now right is is one of those things where you know I think we have to get careful in 
you know, especially the way that we had described the 49ers defense, the Seahawks defense, like this is going to be good forever. No, but it's good right now. And it's good mm-hmm. because everybody is operating at their peak and everybody is healthy. And, you know, I, uh, Bush's injury aside, um, you know, I think that, you know, every the contract situations are right. The money is right. Like these are one of these things where if you're Keith Butler, like this comes around once every 10 years where, you know, you have the talent. This is a Super Bowl caliber defense. And, you know, it just shows. I mean, his early down blitzes I mean Pittsburgh blitzes more in early downs than any team in football because they just don't care they know they can get home they know that the coverage is going to back them up and it's just a fun team to watch right now yeah yeah and and like you said they are blitz happy they're blitz happy on early downs their mo is that they typically rush four on third down and play coverage and usually some sort of disguised exotic looking coverage and uh, I was curious to see how Baker Mayfield would react to this, and you know, you you know, you can say uh, he had the he had the rib injury that he was dealing with in this one. Uh, obviously, the Steelers are very good defensively anyway, but uh, like the two interceptions, especially. I mean, that was a formula for a guy who's not seeing the field, and maybe later in the season we'll get into uh, some some of Baker's struggles playing from within the pocket on some of these pass obvious situations. But uh, I mean, this was. I wanted to see where Baker was at this point. And again, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world, but uh, I mean, he was, he was not up to, he was not up to the task in this game. No. And he was drifting again. I mean, you know, he was doing what he did last season when, when trouble Mm -hmm. arises. And I don't know, you know, I still think that some of the, route concepts are still just a little bit elongated like maybe they're trying to pull off more double moves and and stuff like that stuff that they had success with in the middle weeks but this was one of those games where you had to design everything to get the ball out quickly almost what they did against Baltimore uh you know and even though that wasn't successful but just to get the ball out of his hands so he's not taking shots in the ribs every uh every couple snaps and and that was certainly in a, a you know that had an effect on everything that's why we saw Case Keenum at the end of this game but you know it's weird I mean, you know, I just thought that this this time this offense was going to be a little bit more on a on a stopwatch and a little bit more on a schedule. But uh, especially against Pittsburgh, like I, I don't know why, you know, you weren't as regimented more so than than you had been previously uh, in other games. And Ben Roethlisberger did start this game a little bit slow with some of the quick strike stuff. Then they sort of opened things up as, as the game went along and uh the numbers weren't huge. They didn't have to be huge because they were playing with a lead pretty much the entire way. But I mean, he just, he threw the ball really well. And I, I know that sounds like a sort of a throwaway line, but I, I feel like you have to go back to uh, almost like early 2018 or even 2017. Cause I, I even think the last year of the Antonio Brown season, uh, I think there were a lot of prayers being thrown up that uh, their receivers were just winning on. Uh, in this one, I mean, Roethlisberger was just putting the ball wherever he wanted to put it. And there were also, I mean, look, there were some difficult throws to the intermediate level. There was, you know, a throw over the top to Chase Claypool. Uh, I mean, this was just incredibly encouraging if you are, uh, if, if you had any sort of worry about this Steelers offense. Yeah, so those three big throws that he made to Chase Claypool this season, like the three that everyone would remember as Steelers fans, none of them, Uh, occurred on a play where he had more than a yard 1.2 yards of separation so that's what Mm -hmm. next gen stats said um so they all had about a 20 percent chance of being completed that's pretty incredible for roethlisberger and 
it's really interesting because at the beginning of that game, it almost looked like there was something wrong with his shoulder again. Like he was kind of throwing from like a weird arm slot a little bit. And I was like, oh no, what's what's going on here? And then he just uncorks these things like in the second and third quarter. And you're like, okay, he's just, you know, it's, it's like when you're a runner and you're just aware of your pace and you know, you know, how much gas you need to use. At this point, he's yeah. just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go all out right now. I'm, I'm an old dad and, and this is what I have to do. <laughs> Um, for the first quarter of the season and we're five and oh like you know i'll bring out the old stuff when i have to you know i'll make myself tired when i need to but i don't need to do that right now all right let's uh let's go out to the surprise of the day and that was in foxborough where the broncos and and the patriots who we haven't seen either of these teams in i don't know months but uh they go out there and the broncos pretty much control this one uh you know they went through defense and through uh you know through through a run game in this one uh this is what you worry about a little bit if you're the Patriots, or this is what I worry about at this point. Uh, so the Patriots are playing from behind. Cam threw two interceptions. They were deflected interceptions. So I don't want to go nuts here and 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 say that there was a you know some sort of meltdown. Uh, Ryan Izzo had a downfield fumble on on one of their better offensive plays, uh, which is just unfortunate. But uh, Cam has the two deflected interceptions, and the Patriots are forced to play behind. And we saw them play from behind in Seattle, or at least that was a back and forth game earlier this year. And you would have said. Uh, like okay yeah they'll they'll be fine if they if they catch themselves in, in these kinds of situations Josh McDaniels ended up resorting to a lot of gadget type stuff and and when McDaniels has done that in the past it's been those games where like you know oh Gronkowski and Edelman are both out so now they're you know just throwing to a bunch of dudes and and look the skill position guys are not good in New England uh it's Edelman and and really a bunch of guys who maybe would not start anywhere else around the league and Keel Harry does things every once in a while but uh I I, I guess the fact that McDaniels didn't trust uh what would sort of be a, a traditional offense to get it going in this game, I think was a bit of a red flag here. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you know, we've never been in this situation before with the Patriots. We don't know what to think because there is no baseline for something like this. You know, are they getting desperate? Are they shuffling through things? Or is this a Patriots team that then emerges in November with something that's twice as hard to defend as what they showed in September? And you know, we just don't know. But I think that it, for sure, the skill position, um, the depletion of talent there is real. I would be shocked if they didn't go above and beyond at the trade deadline to try to rectify that. You know, this is still a team that I think can make the playoffs, can win that division. I mean, I don't think um, the Bills are necessarily going to run away with it from here, but who knows? I mean, it's uh, it's really interesting. Again, I mean, we, you know, it, it destroys my narrative, right? That Bill Belichick was the mastermind because Tom Brady beat the Packers on Sunday. So we have to stop, uh, stop talking like that. I, I will say you can stick to that take for now. Uh, it, it, Belichick made the point afterwards, and someone asked him about it. So I don't want to say like Belichick showed up with uh, with excuses ready, but you know they they haven't practiced in person very often uh, over the last week and a half here. So uh, they were up against some things, and again the interceptions were deflected passes. One of them was kind of ugly. It was just sort of a uh, you know they they're trying to. Uh, get it to James White on a little jet sweep type of screen type thing, and it, it just got snuffed out. But uh, this also could have been uglier, though. It, Broncos end up settling for six field goals for their points in this one, two of them uh, deep red zone where they just couldn't punch it in. So uh, it, it might have been uh, also if Drew Locke isn't throwing interceptions throughout the fourth quarter when they're playing with the lead 
it might have been yeah. a lot uglier here. But uh, yeah, Drew Lock was Drew Lock was back, um, and you you occasionally saw the arm talent and all the stuff. And and obviously this is a tough matchup for any quarterback going to to Foxborough. But um, Drew Lock was was a little bit shaky in this one. Yeah, and you know I think that's gonna it's gonna take some time, but. Uh, this offense to me just doesn't meet him halfway um like we saw the Broncos offense down the stretch last year meet him halfway I think we're trying to shove him into a box that I don't know if he necessarily fits in but it's frustrating because the arm talent is certainly there um you know he's got that short-term memory that a lot of people value in quarterbacks he's not afraid to go deep and uh but I, I don't know I would like to see a little bit more of an effort put in to to get him in a system that that is going to accentuate his talents a little bit more and, and something just a little bit more unique outside of the Pat Shermer sort of bubble that we saw over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Brandon McManus, six for six. Mega Good. leg. That's what Good we used to call him, him when he was at, uh, I covered the Giants when he lost the training camp kicking battle to, Wow, that was his rookie year out of Temple. But he would just like, he would show up at practice and just like rock like, 70 yard field goals and so we would call him mega leg and uh we would make jokes about him kicking it from metlife stadium uh, like over <laughs> over the hudson river into new york city and then he just like and then he they cut him and we were like what the what the hell and then he ended up making the uh making the broncos but yeah it was, it was josh brown i think that he uh he couldn't beat out that that training camp i bet the giants thought, would like to have him back there but i i thought you were about to say you covered him at temple and I, I would have I would have been shocked that you covered Temple football when you were at the uh, Star Ledger. <laughs> the Owls, baby. Al Golden was the head coach there, and he was a Jersey guy. So in, at the Star Ledger, you covered everybody from New Jersey. <laughs> there you go. All right, Connor, hang on one second. You go away because it's time for the SI Fantasy segment presented by DraftKings. Every Monday, I am joined by Michael Fabiano. We are going to run through the early, the very early waiver wire. We're not going to be done with a week, but that's okay, because you need to know this stuff as soon as possible. So, uh, Fabs, what's going on, man? Uh, we, uh, we're, we're week six here. I mean, uh, there are still guys out there, though, and let's start with the running backs. Yeah, there are. It's a little bit thin at running back. I, the, the biggest and most popular claim this week will probably be Boston Scott, uh, because Miles Sanders got banged up and Philadelphia has a short week. And he was in this position earlier in the season and he was a bum. He was an absolute dud. But you've got buys, you've got injuries. Boston Scott is going to end up being a flex starter this week against the Giants. The matchup is right and volume should be uh, on his side if Sanders is out this week. J.D. McKissick is also worth rostering. Uh, 14 touches, 84 yards, over 14 points against the Giants. He has 22 targets and 19 catches in his last three games. That's a bunch. And he faces the Cowboys in Week 7, so that is also uh, a favorable matchup. Jarek McKinnon's probably owned in most leagues, but if somebody dropped him, you may have to pick him back up because Raheem Mostert hurt his ankle against the Rams and his status for the upcoming game against the Patriots is uncertain at this point early in the week. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards both have buys, but Mark Ingram was injured, so those guys are worth a stash at this point. If you're desperate, Frank Gore and LaMichael P. Ryan, but the Jets stink, <laughs> and those are just warm bodies, honestly. Damian Harris should be owned uh, in more than 43% of leagues, which is his percentage right now on ESPN. And then, you know, Giovanni Bernard, if you have Joe Mixon, he's been a little bit dinged up this season. This should be a reminder that you should probably go out and grab him as a handcuff 
in case Mixon is injured badly enough where he's going to be forced to miss time. I say Bernard is nice to have. If Mixon's out, I mean, Bengals are going to be trailing him plenty of games. Bernard can catch yeah. the ball. You got something going there. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's go receivers. Travis Fulgham is a thing, folks. Last week, I spent all of my fab budget on him in the Scott Fish Bowl, and I'm pretty happy that I did. I didn't like the matchup against Baltimore. I mean, how can you, right? I mean, Travis Fulgham against Baltimore? And he wasn't doing much, right? And then Philadelphia had to just throw it and throw it and throw it, and Wentz ended up having a nice game from a fantasy standpoint, and so did Fulgham. 10 targets, 75 yards, a touchdown, and almost 20 fantasy points. He's got 23 targets over the last two weeks. That's a lot, all right? And his next three games, Giants, Thursday night, Cowboys, by Giants again. That is a great matchup lineup there for Fulgham. Now, I know, like, Deshaun Jackson's supposed to come back this week, and, you know, mm-hmm. Alshon Jeffrey will be back too. But he's become the number one guy in Philadelphia, which is crazy considering uh, all of the options we had going in in the preseason, including – uh, Jalen Rager, who's now no longer on the fantasy radar. Uh, T. Higgins still owned in only 44% of leagues on an ESPN, which is crazy. Mm. Eight targets, six catches, 125 yards, uh, over 18 fantasy points against the Colts. He has six targets in five straight games. He's had 32 targets in the last four weeks. Hey, guys, go out and pick this guy up. I mean, I know A.J. Green had a good game, uh, but this is the number one wide receiver in Cincinnati, at least he's a very close second if you consider Tyler Boyd the number one guy, and he's been better than Boyd over the last few weeks. Some other wide receivers to go out and grab. Tim Patrick had a nice game against the Patriots, and uh, you've got the Chiefs up next. Not a great matchup, but could be a high-scoring game. Adam Humphreys, uh, six targets, six catches, and a touchdown against Houston. James Washington. Hell, anybody in Pittsburgh right now, except for, I guess, Juju, because he's been an absolute disappointment. <laughs> but James Washington, as well as Deontay Johnson being out, I, Claypool's got to be long gone. Chase Claypool's better be long gone. Uh, but if you're looking for a wide receiver, James Washington. And then uh, the Colts have a bye this week. But Marcus Johnson's been pretty good. Zach Pascal's also in the mix. But those guys are less likely to be added because they're not playing in Week Seven. Not fair enough. Uh, how about uh, uh, let's go? Let's go quarterback now. So the, the number one ad for me among players who's probably available is Teddy Bridgewater. And you're like, wait, Fabs, he sucked against the Bears. I'm like, yeah, well, most quarterbacks suck mm. against the Bears. This is all about Week Seven. The NFL is a week-to-week league. Bridgewater's got the Saints, and then he's got Atlanta after that. So Bridgewater should be owned across the board, especially if you're looking uh, for bi-week replacements or if you stream quarterbacks. Here's some quarterbacks that are probably already owned, and if they're not, they should be. Gardner Minshew, uh, they got the Chargers this week. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's got a bye this week, but still he's been great. Ryan Tannehill, I don't get how he's not owned in 100% of leagues. 53.4% of leagues on ESPN, this guy is, is owned. What, lot, lot of, do people lot of, not want to win? A lot of zero quarterback leagues out there. I mean, I, 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 people must not want to win. I don't know. But Tannehill's got to be able to cross over. This guy should be starting every week for somebody. Justin Herbert coming off a bye. Maybe fantasy owners, well, he's on a bye. I'm not going to pick him up. He should be owned. And then if you're if you're hurting for a quarterback and it's thin on the waiver wire, Derek Carr has been pretty good. He's got the box, so that's not a great matchup. But who knows? Maybe it ends up into a uh, turning into a shootout there. But Derek Carr's on the lower end of the quarterbacks that you could target. And if you really want to go deep, and I don't think this is going to happen, but, I mean, you could also stash Jalen Hurts because Carson Wentz hasn't mm. been playing all that great, but he's giving you a lot of fantasy points. And also keep in mind that offensive line is just a mess right now. And how about uh, how about the tight end position? 
Another situation where the number one ad is not playing next week, which is Trey Burton. Uh, five targets, 58 yards, had two touchdowns, uh, almost 22 points against Cincinnati. Uh, Burton had six targets last week as well, so he's getting more opportunities. Moelle Cox is banged up, but again, they have a buy. If you need something this upcoming week, uh, Darren Fells has a touchdown in two straight games. They've got the Packers coming up. Uh, Anthony Fersker, who stole all of Jonu Smith's points, and Jonu is banged up in this game. So if Jonu can't go, this is a very uh, intriguing add off the waiver wire. He had nine targets, nine catches, 113 minutes of touchdown. Uh, Ryan Sandhill's turning even the, uh, the least known players into fantasy stars, at least for one week. And then Richard Rodgers in Philadelphia. So Zacherts got hurt right against Baltimore. Dallas Goddard's on IR. Not sure if he's going to be back this week. And the Eagles have that short week against the Giants. So if Ertz can't play and Goddard can't come off IR, Richard Rodgers is going to be in play in some fantasy leagues. This is how bad the tight end position is. We all thought coming into the season it might get better because there's a lot of young talent. Well, Johnny Smith has emerged. TJ Hawkinson's been pretty good. Noah Fant's been pretty good, but he's banged up right now. But there's been a bunch of other guys, you know, like Chris Herndon. I mean, what the hell's happened to him? I guess Jets, mm-hmm. right? Adam Gase. There's been a bunch of other guys that we thought could potentially make an impact who, who really haven't. So, no, nothing from that rookie class either. No, well, I mean, yeah, the rookie tight ends typically don't do anything. Although Cole Komet w- was one of a whole bunch of no name tight ends who scored a bunch of fantasy points this weekend while our superstars like Mark Andrews <clears throat> and uh, John who got hurt. But Andrews <laughs> was a bit of a disappointment with, uh, with Boyle getting in the end zone uh, this past week. All right, Fabs. Uh, thanks for the advice as always. You're with us every Monday, but you're here all the time. You just have to go to SI.com slash fantasy or even better, or at least equally good. Just subscribe to the SI fantasy podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Fabs, we'll talk to you uh, next week. All right, my brother. Take care. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, Connor, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your eight-minute break. Uh, we are going down to Nashville for Titans-Texans, probably the best game of the day here. I mean, it went to overtime, so that's not that bold to take by, uh, by me. But uh, this was anyone who sort of questioned – you know, uh, you know, Derrick Henry's great, but don't pay the running back type of thing. Uh, this is kind of why they paid the running back, because Derrick Henry took this game over in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, he runs for a 94-yard touchdown, uh, you know, he on a third and goal in overtime where a touchdown can win it. Uh, it's Henry out of the Wildcat rather than the quarterback in the game from the five-yard line. I mean, this this is still uh, very much built around Derrick Henry, and he's a he's just a he's a unique talent. Yeah, I I was so wrong about him in so many different levels. I mean, I was vocal about the Titans not signing him to a long-term deal because of the fear that everybody has when a running back has a 400-touch season like he did last year and what that does to the body. But he's just he's built differently and it's incredible it's just he's involved in the passing game despite that size and it, like nothing about this makes sense and it's just working it's working really well yeah the uh, uh the big touchdown run is what sort of brought him back in because the texans had uh made a big comeback on them had taken the lead and i don't know i mean who gets a 94 yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter when you <laughs> uh when you've just blown a big lead uh I, so I, I, I wrote this and I took some heat for it and I, I'll give a quick explainer. Uh, there's been a lot of like Tannehill MVP candidate chatter. Uh, I really like Ryan Tannehill. I think he's great for this system. I, I, I you know, it, you, there's no way you can say otherwise at this point. But the MVP stuff, they don't, uh, we saw it last January, they don't really want to put the ball in his hands and have him try to win games and, and that sort of thing. And I just thought it, you know, when when Derrick Henry out of the Wildcat from the five-yard line is your play on third and goal where you got to have it, uh, I think that says a little bit about what you think about your running back and what you think about your quarterback. And I don't think they hate their quarterback. I just don't think they want to put their quarterback in a position where he has to uh make that play to win the game if, if it's not something they can really specifically design out for him you know it's weird I was thinking about this a lot um you know with Adam Gase and the Dolphins game and, and all that and I, you know if you're the owner of the Dolphins are you sitting there thinking did he just not know did Adam Gase just not know that Ryan Tannehill would be perfect in this system or 
Like, like if you're a coach, are you supposed to look at a guy and say, this is the offense that we have to run? Or is it just like, ah, screw it, we'll sign Ryan Tannehill, and then he ends up being great, and then you look smart? You know what I mean? Like, I I just wonder how some of that stuff works sometimes. I mean, obviously, like in Baltimore, the system is perfect for the quarterback, and that was mm-hmm. by design. But like, with some of this other stuff, is it just like, yeah, it'll be great if it works out. I mean, you know, the Titans did start Marcus Mariota over him for eight games, so it's not like they knew this was like going to be the perfect yeah. fit, or else they probably would have played him since the beginning of the season. I think the fact that he has very defined reads and, and a very defined role in this offense is is what he needed, and it's what he's thriving with. And I, I think it's unfair to say a lot of guys could thrive this way. It is a quarterback-friendly offense, but I think it is especially perfect for uh, for Tannehill. I think the Miami thing, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to... Uh, uh, I'm not going to defend Adam Gase because I just can't uh, take the taunts and barbs that it would get me. But, you know, Adam Gase wants his quarterbacks to play at a uh, very advanced veteran level as far as processing the game, and he does not give them a lot of help. And we've seen that's been the problem with Sam Darnold to an extent. Sam Darnold might have might have struggled regardless of where he landed, but um, that has been an issue there. So, uh, you know, Tannehill, my criticism of Tannehill, and I was very critical of, of Tannehill when he played in Miami, was, uh, you know, pocket presence was not very good. Uh, he just didn't really look like a guy who was comfortable <laughs> playing playing from the pocket and that you know that's an issue playing in a lot football. of offenses yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. like and now he he just he has a team where this this just fits what he does and and yes Derrick Henry does open up those uh you know he he sucks up those linebackers just a little bit more than anyone else and and it is a uh, a nice place to be for a quarterback but uh, good on Ryan Tannehill is my point He's not an MVP, though. You can't have an MVP who uh, has such a defined role uh, in an offense. And now everyone can send me their hate mail and hate if, tweets. If I will accept your take if they throttle the Steelers. Or I will, okay. I will, uh, yeah. Well, no, I will, I will shoot down no. your take if they throttle yes. the Steelers. Yeah. That's uh, either way, you, uh, there's going to be some drama. We're going to scream at each other. It's going to be like uh, whatever <laughs> show Skip Bayless is on now. Uh, real quick before we move on to 49ers Rams, though, uh, Romeo Cornell takes a seven point lead, goes for two to try and put the game away. Uh, obviously, it didn't work, but were you pro or con on the call? Yeah. I mean, who cares at this point? Now, my take is going to be completely different when we talk about the Washington game uh, there, even though the teams are similarly, um, you know, uh, out of it. But I would say that, you know, if you're the Texans, it's almost like, yeah, I mean, you're the interim coach. So what do you care? You're not going to be there next year. Uh, you're really just living in the moment. So why not create uh, as Russell Brand or was it Russell Brand's character in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall said, just do the most interesting thing you can do in the moment. You know, good for you, Romeo Cornell. You're, you're doing what we're supposed to be doing here. You're living you're living minute to minute. All right, the Sunday night game. Sunday night game coming deep into the show here. I uh, I feel like we've really offended the 49ers and Rams at this point, but uh, this game was a, a, a bit of a, I don't want to call it a dud. If you're a 49ers fan, it was incredibly encouraging, not only because you win the game uh, in which you're a home underdog, but uh, they finally just kind of did what they want to do offensively in the first half of a game, which I, I can't remember the last time we said that about this team. They went out and they just they they held on to the ball. They they had sustained drives. Kyle Shanahan dialed up basically two routes that were not thrown behind the line of scrimmage, two dig routes off of play action, and they both worked beautifully. And Jimmy Garoppolo made the throws, and uh, 
other than that, their guys just, you know, they got the ball into the hands of whether it was Raheem Mostert or Debo Samuel or, uh, or or George Kittle. They got into their hands early, and they just broke tackles, and they, they just kept the ball away from the Rams. Brandon Ayuk, too, getting, uh, getting involved here over the last few weeks, which was uh, – inevitable when I released him from my fantasy team. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that they benefited. Uh, this was one of these games where Jimmy Garoppolo did throw some bad passes, like pick six worthy passes that were not taken advantage of. Um, and, you know, but it's weird. I mean, the Rams just can look so light speed and then just just slow down to a crawl at some points against some of their opponents. But this is good on, good on the 49ers. This was a classic 49ers game from last year that we recognized nice and uh, they kind of showed off how deep they were weapon wise how hard they are to tackle how good they are creating yards after the catch for the receivers and and maybe maybe all is not lost right there right now now look they had an answer for Aaron Donald which uh, most people don't have lots of double teams for Donald but largely neutralized in this one so it's it's probably worth the investment yeah I mean that's something that uh you know not a lot of people can say they did this year so and uh, the Rams just kind of, you know, this is the second time this year we've seen the Rams play from behind. Uh, they they came back in Buffalo. They they sort of stuck with their thing. They they still ran the ball. They still used play action. Uh, you saw the same thing, but they just they just kind of ran out of time. And then they had they got deep red zone. Cooper Cup drops a touchdown, and they get intercepted on the next play. Uh, they they just you know I, I don't know. In the Bills game, it's like, oh, good, they, they they stuck to what they do. And in this game, it's like, ah, they had no urgency. So, yeah, I and guess they, it depends on the outcome. And they were, you know, there were like certain segments of the game where they were moving fast, and I thought getting some headway there. Um, I think there was that one drive that everything got blown up because of the holding penalty where they kind of picked up and they started going into the, uh, into the no huddle. And I just don't know why they're doing that, not doing that more. And uh, to further that point, I think that, I don't know why every team didn't do that coming right out to start the season. Like because the one thing that you could you could have controlled during the pandemic offseason was conditioning, right? You mm-hmm. could have gotten your offense into better shape. You knew that the defense didn't have time to play together, was going to have a harder time aligning. And so you just come out and you just play faster than everybody else. And I talked to some people who had expected that to be sort of a large uh, portion of of the season this year and we're just not seeing it. I was I was really surprised. Let's uh, let's go down to Carolina, where the Bears move to five and one. Uh, look, this offense is bad, and we'll probably say that all year. We'll probably say say that uh, in the lead up to Super Bowl Fifty Five and post game Super Bowl Fifty Five when Nick Foles is uh, uh, lifting the Lombardi Trophy again. But uh, defensively, the difference between twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen for this defense was the fact that they took the ball away a ton in 2018. They didn't take the ball away much in 2019. Uh, They really hadn't taken the ball away much this season. So that made it even more, uh, let's call it unusual. Some might say, absurdly fluky that they were four and one coming in this game but this game was different they 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 had three takeaways uh two of them were interceptions one of them was kind of a a more giveaway by mike davis who seemingly just forgot he was carrying a football uh in the open field but uh they get three takeaways they get four sacks if the defense does this then yes it makes sense that they are going to win a lot of games in spite of the fact that the offense is is I don't want to say league worse because the Jets are still out there, but uh, it's certainly bottom five in the NFL. Give me your bottom three right now. 
It has to be the Jets. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, as, the Jets are the worst. As, as yeah. the worst. The Giants, I think what the Giants are doing offensively puts them in the bottom five. I like Daniel Jones. I really do think Daniel Jones is going to work in the long term. It's just, it's, it's a... Uh, uh, it's it's an offense that doesn't really provide many answers for him, uh, and so yeah, I guess in that way, I would I would put Giants down there. Uh, is anyone else worse than the Bears besides those two New York teams, though? Who am I forget? Am I forgetting someone obvious? I think the Jaguars are better offensively than uh. uh They're than certainly the Bears more are. enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I- I'm going to put them at thirty. In my offensive power rankings, yeah, but uh, you know your point. Your point is valid. I mean, I like the fact that they're a tough. I mean, you know, this is like this is such a ridiculous, dusty old platitude, but they are tough. I mean, this this team is good. You know, it, 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 with Joe Judge, it's a Dave Gettleman problem. I think everybody can recognize that, right? There are talent deficiencies throughout the roster, and they're just getting beat because they're not good enough, you know? And it's not because they aren't fired up to play. It's not because they're not technically sound, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It's just right now they're losing games because other teams have better players. But, you know, this was one of those games where everything kind of just, you know, uh, came together. And defensively, I mean, some of that stuff that... um, that worked really well against Washington was installed um, like two or three days before the game. I think Joe judge was saying afterwards. So, I mean, it seems like there are, there are good things happening there. If you can install something like that, like two days before a game, shut down an opponent, play that well, cause all those turnovers. I think you're in good shape. Kyle Allen almost redeemed himself. And by the way, we did transition to, to giants versus football team. Very, uh, uh, very stealthily there. But uh, yeah, Kyle Allen almost redeemed himself in this one after after a bit of a meltdown. Yeah, uh, let's pause right here. Wait, did I miss something? Where were we? We, we started on Bears Panthers, and then you went to, to Giants. Oh, <laughs> man! You-, you know what? Maybe let's do it again because yeah, honestly, yeah, when, yeah, when, yeah, you, yeah. when you started talking about like you know they're they're tough, but they're winning, but you know they're losing. Games. I was like we're talking about the Bears are five and one, Connor. I know I got lost because then you had you had talked about the Giants in your rankings, and then I was like, wait, were we talking? I thought we were talking about the Bears, but we're talking about <laughs> all right. Sorry, yeah, let's just go go back to that. Sorry, all right. Let me. I, I'll set up. I'll uh I'll finish my rankings. I'll announce the Bears as thirtieth, but I'll count it back in three, two. One, yeah, I think the Bears. I'm going to put them 30 in my my offensive team power rankings here. They just don't make any sense to me, and that's what I love about this team. Like, if I had to pick one major regression candidate for the second half of the year, right? It's Chicago. And how many games have we watched? And uh, maybe this one not as obviously as some of the other ones, but Nick Foles is just masterful at throwing pick-worthy balls that just don't get picked off. I've never seen it happen before where uh, a guy, like, it's almost like his footballs go through defensive backs uh, to the the intended wide receivers. So I do think he's, uh, uh, I do think they've been fortunate to this point. Am I ready to pencil them in as the division winners? Not even close. Yeah, Panthers kind of a bummer in this one. Uh, nice story so far. They're still sitting at three and three. Nice overachieving team there, but you can't uh, uh, you can't give it away three times if you are uh, this Panthers team and, and win a game like this. Let's uh, let's go. I don't know. Let's go to the thirty first team in my uh, imaginary offensive power rankings, and that's the Giants. Joe Judge gets on the board here, and uh, I don't know. They're 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 kind of 
kind of doing it defensively. There's been two good defensive performances in in the last three weeks. So let's say uh, they're doing it defensively. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think Patrick Graham has done a nice job as their defensive coordinator there. I think that mm-hmm. Joe Judge said they inserted some stuff late in the week there that that really helped them. Um, if I was Ron Rivera, would I have not gone for the win and assumed that I could roll right back down the field and score on that game? Probably, but um, at the same time, you know, the Giants... I think everybody knows that this isn't a Joe Judge problem. This is just a talent deficiency problem. And I think that there are um, that's they're just two different routes there. And so I think Joe Judge is is playing as well as he can given the circumstances, the injuries, the talent. Um, but they're they're gonna have some work to do in order to sort of make this into a long term sustainable franchise. Yeah, Kyle Allen, uh I Look, two bad giveaways in this one. I guess he looked a little more functional uh, throughout this game, though. So, you know, we won't uh, I won't go nuts about the Dwayne Haskins thing this week, at least for one week. No, but it doesn't it seem to you to be a little bit of a of defeating your own point. If you say that you're trying to stay alive in the NFC East by not playing Dwayne Haskins, but that you're trying to go for it to win the game. Um, because you're trying to teach the guys how to win, and that's how you teach guys how to win. So, like on one hand, you're doing a learning thing, and on the other, you're not doing a learning thing. You know, if, does that make sense? Like, it seems like he's defeating his own point there a little bit. My my problem with the whole Kyle Allen thing is, uh, I mean, one, I, I just think Dwayne Haskins is better. I guess that's the <laughs> that's really the core of the problem, but. Um, that there's there's your point there's also the fact that this offense overall uh just does not look uh functional with Kyle Allen back there for the most part uh, and there are a lot of guys on this team who will be uh trying to put out tape to get jobs next off season and and a lot of them will be on the fringe of the NFL and when you're going out there and playing with a guy who uh just doesn't make you look very good uh it's it's a problem and Dwayne Haskins might have been more prone to mistakes i i Again, I don't know if I buy that, but uh, you could say he doesn't know the system as well, and therefore he is maybe more prone to mistakes. But uh, I, I don't think that affects uh, your team the same way it does a guy who just isn't as capable as as the guy you just benched. Yeah, no, I agree. But I don't know. The NFC East is weird. I mean, it's it's going to be strange when the Giants end up winning this whole thing and going to the playoffs. So <laughs> it's I'm saying right now the Eagles are uh, are, are a absolute lock to win this division i'll i'll proclaim it right now uh eagles will uh win this they'll be playing in january uh they went to baltimore uh, sorry they didn't go to baltimore they hosted baltimore uh fell behind early and then just scratched and clawed their way back in again travis fulgham zach Ertz actually got hurt in this one although Ertz has been really struggling the last couple of weeks uh you know the fact that they got back into this game is just absurd because it is Carson Wentz, and it is basically a practice squad around him right now. Yeah, and I think that gets lost in the conversation. I think so much of it is, you know, putting pressure on him and talking about the development and what he's not doing. But you're right. I mean, there's just, uh, there's nothing there. And I don't know how we got to this point. I mean, this team was so deep, um, you know, maybe two or three weeks ago, um, or mm-hmm. in, in, in especially at the beginning of the season. Like, if you would have looked at every position, you would have said, man, down the line, down the road, like, this is one of the deeper rosters in the league. And, you know, just for some reason, uh, they just cannot stop getting bit by the injury bug. I don't know what it, what it is. 
Yeah, I mean, this is going to be their chance coming up here. They have some guys come back. Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson are almost back. And uh, Travis Fulgham has obviously emerged as the, the, the I don't know, the reincarnation of Jerry Rice, who hasn't passed away yet, but somehow he was reincarnated as, as Travis Fulgham. But uh, they get Giants Thursday night, then they get Cowboys with the extra rest, and then they get Giants again. Uh, I mean, this is their chance. Their offense has been making it work against really good teams the last couple of weeks, and now they have a chance to maybe pick on some teams that aren't so good. Yeah, no, I, I, I am, I'm eager for this renaissance that you've been promising for so long, Gary, I guess is, <laughs> is what I'm saying. 78% chance to win the division for the Philadelphia Eagles is uh, what I've calculated. <laughs> I was going to say, Falcon- I, I thought you were reading off like 538 or something like that. I was like, oh, well, I strangely feel better about this now. <laughs> no, no, just the Gary calculation. It's on my, it's on my TI uh, graphing calculator here. Got it, got it. Uh, Atlanta. First game without Dan Quinn in forever. They go to Minnesota and they get a they get a real easy win. Kirk Cousins a bit of a meltdown early in this one, but uh, uh, yes, they took advantage of uh, of Kirk Cousins struggling. And the Vikings, as we say all the time, are not really built to play from behind. Certainly, I mean, no one in the league is built to play from behind by like three touchdowns. But uh, Falcons jump on them. They take advantage. Uh, Julio Jones is back, and Julio Jones made a couple of big plays in this one. So. Uh, kind of you know just a sense of what the Falcons were supposed to be this year yeah which is a shame you know you you were really kind of hoping that we would have seen that happen and and come alive before all this happened but um yeah I mean I think that they will now be the classic pain in the butt um from here on out towards the end of the season so we'll see what happens there but (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan, four touchdowns, uh, Julio Jones, everybody looks uh, great again. And uh, yeah, poor Dan Quinn, you know, you just would have hoped it would have happened for him while uh, while he was still there. Uh, I just mentioned that nobody comes back from three touchdowns, but uh, that's what the that's what the Colts <laughs> did. Uh, this one was I mean, look, I'm big on the Colts. I do think the Colts are really good. Uh, they were getting pushed around by the Bengals in the first quarter of this game. It was just kind of like, what is what is going on here? Uh, Bengals take a 21-0 lead. Colts, uh, they come back. Look, Phillip Rivers, you kind of wondered if at this stage of his career he can he can put together this kind of comeback. And granted, the Bengals, the Bengals are just not very good offensively. And uh, it did make a big difference having Anthony Costanzo back in the lineup and having that offensive line uh, at full strength for the Colts. Uh, but they, they did it. And it, they even did it with uh, Rivers, you know, forcing a... Uh, a downfield interception uh, for good measure in the second half, but they end up coming back and 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 winning this one. And uh, the defense just sort of shut down Joe Burrow going forward once uh, they gave up three early touchdowns. Yeah, and but I still think you know I if I'm if I'm gauging Cincinnati, I'm saying that they're trending upward, and if I'm gauging Indianapolis, I still say that they're making me perpetually nervous. And you know, it's one of those things where if you're a Chargers fan, you're sort of looking over and, and you're saying, oh, like there's a reason why all of our games were chaotic and hectic because now all of the Colts games are chaotic and hectic and they're behind and there's just this weird ebb and flow to it and I think that that has something to do with the with the quarterback uh I will be cautiously optimistic about the about the Colts going forward at this point but uh it is it is cautious uh Dolphins Jets I don't I don't know man this game was uh pretty much what we expected except for the fact that the Dolphins had Dolphins had no third down conversions until uh Tua came in 
for for mop up duty at the end they uh they lose the turnover battle and they they win the game by 24 points which is um i don't know it's just fun <laughs> Tua's face mask is awesome uh it's like i've never seen that face mask before that's sort of my my first takeaway my second takeaway um is if you're Adam Gase, like you cannot be trying harder to to get fired at this point. Like this is office space level, like just not showing up for work or gutting a fish at your desk because you don't feel like filling out your papers. Like I, I, I it's wild to me um, that uh, this is being tolerated at this point. <laughs> The 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 thing that drives me nuts about this team, and it, uh, frankly, it's it's been the thing that has driven me nuts. Uh, and I've been uh, probably Adam Gase's biggest supporter over the years. Uh, had a winning record coming into this year with his starting quarterback healthy, despite having bottom five rosters everywhere he's been. But uh, they get into like third and long situations, and they will run like one receiver past the sticks, and everyone else sits down like five yards yeah. in front of the sticks, and like that's. That it's like what what what's the plan here? Because you don't have anyone who breaks tackles on this team. It's just like in in these surrender field goals. Like I don't understand. You know, I, it it's all very bad. And I understand the talent on the roster was at a certain point. Um, you know, when you took over and you knew this was going to be a rebuild. But if you're the it, it, at this point, you can't you can't legitimize keeping him around because a Trevor Lawrence isn't going to play for him. You know, he's, he's not going to want to come there. Um, and, and B, I just think that this roster is so bad that I don't think another quarterback fixes anything now. I mean, they need, they legitimately need 17 starters, 17 new starters. Uh, and they're not going to be able to do that in one off season. I feel like Gase is going to be poisoned to the, to the point where he's going to be coaching the XFL next time. Uh, next time we see him. Yeah. The revamped XFL, baby. And they'll take him. Uh, final one, uh, Lions-Jaguars. Lions get a, a, a pretty easy win down in Jacksonville. I don't have a whole lot to say about that. Gardner Minshew attempted a couple throws that just sort of, it, it was like, like this is uh, this is not what you want in your, your you know, potential franchise quarterback. I, I don't think he is the guy there long term. Uh, but, uh, you know, other than that, I don't know. Lions go down and take care of business against a team that they should take care of business against. And uh, I don't know if the Jaguars are really equipped to take advantage of anyone. Yeah, it was fun while it lasted. The wild, anonymous Jaguars just like coming out and and playing uh, with their hair on fire. But, you know, it was cool that their field goal kicker had literally never attempted a field goal before um, and and drilled one in this game. So that's that's something they can hang their hat on, you know? Yeah, the uh, the other John Brown, John without the H. That's right. All right. Uh, Connor. I will be listening to you later this week on the Weekside podcast with Jenny Rentis. Go subscribe to that now if you haven't already. But uh, that's going to do it. Otherwise, we'll we'll not talk until week seven games have been played. <laughs> I literally just got a text from my wife in the other room that said, there's no line at the DMV. You need to leave right now and go because my license <laughs> has been my license has been uh, expired since the beginning of the pandemic. So that's what I'll be doing uh, for the next few hours. Nice. I can't think of a better way to spend your money. (laughs) All right, Connor. I'll talk to you, man. All right. See ya. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gremling. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as all the feeds 
for the MMPB Podcast. That's the Weekside Podcast, the Albert Breer Show. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And after you do subscribe, since you love the shows, leave a rating and review for all of them. It really does help other people find them, which are also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.